Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Saturdays with Jenny. I'm sitting in front of a book called This Mournable Body. And it has been described as provocative and brilliant, an extraordinary novel. And it has been shortlisted for the 2020 Booker Prizes. And as we've been speaking about the Booker for the last couple of weeks, this is one of two books that has come out of Africa. And I am so excited because there are only six books on the shortlist. So another Zimbabwean writer, and we're talking about Sitsi Dangaremba, and uh, and she has written this. And Sitsi, thank you for joining us. Is this a sequel to Nervous Conditions? Yes, Jeannie. Uh, this Mournable Body is a sequel to Nervous Conditions. It is, in fact, the third in a trilogy. So the first sequel was The Book of Not, and then This Mournable Body is the second sequel, making up the third volume in the trilogy to Nervous Conditions. So so you've obviously had this in your head for some considerable time. And my first question to you really is what is going on in Zimbabwe with female writers? Because it's like it's like a witch's coven of talent that is pouring out of Zimbabwe from no Violet Bulawayo, who is not, I know, terribly productive in terms of novels. But when she does, it's significant. Uh, Simpibi Gloria and Lovu, Patina Gappa and yourself. I mean, what is going on? Seriously. Well, I think that women are catching up because um, a couple of decades ago, the male writers were taking the world stage and there were not that many of the female writers who were recognized at that time. And generally, one does tend to see that women often lag behind. Uh, when spaces open up, including the literary space, men are often at the forefront as they are in most things in life because of the way we are socialized. And it takes women a little longer to find that space for themselves. And I think that is what is happening now in this most brilliant way. So uh, what all four of, of you, and I'm, I'm sort of just putting you in a little cluster, what all four of you appear to be doing is writing about the state of the country that you live in or lived in, um, because I think No Violet lives out of the country. Um, and uh, but but it is noticeable. Patina Gapper with um, with her book of short stories, um, you with your trilogy. I mean, it's fantastic. And Sampiwi, I know, um, is also writing a trilogy, and her second book is about to come out. It, 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 there's something going on in the sense that the the country seems to be overwhelming literature in the most exciting and unconventional way. Well, I do think that it is not unusual for people to write about the environment that they live in. Most writers do get inspiration and draw their creativity from what is going on around them. Um, I think what is maybe specific about Zimbabwe is that it is very easy to link our writing to what is going on in the country because the country has been in a critical situation for quite a long time. Uh, for writers from Matebeleland, that would be uh, going back to 1983. 
the critical situation that occurred in 1983 in Matabeleland is something that people, women are now beginning to write about, although some men had written about it before. Mm. And then uh, for people in the rest of the country who might have thought that we were insulated from those kinds of critical issues, well, we do realize that um, the whole country is increasingly in a critical situation. And this will definitely impact uh, our observations of life and our conceptualization of character. How do you see your physical interaction? I'm thinking of your recent arrest, for instance, and uh, I think your court case is coming up any moment now. Yes, um, I wrote this mournable body before I was arrested, so um, I hadn't had that experience when I wrote this mournable body. My court case will come up for a hearing on the 7th of October, um, and I hope that progress will be made um, since there hasn't been a great deal of progress so far. Uh, I do think that if I had had that experience before, uh, my conceptualization of Zimbabwe might have been different because definitely um, I had demonstrated before and not been arrested. And so now I demonstrate and I am arrested. That for me is then significant in terms of uh, making me see the terms of my demonstrating differently. Now, obviously, uh, for me, I feel less able to demonstrate, and I feel that that is not a positive development. And so that would obviously determine and influence how I represent events in my literature. Your anti-heroine, I suppose, uh, Tambudzai, um, finds herself living in that rundown hospital, uh, not hospital, hostel, where everyone around her accuses her of being elderly. I mean, she's not, she's not elderly in my terms and certainly not in your terms either, but they see her as elderly because it's a hostel for young people. And, um, and I'm wondering how she would have responded had she stood on the side of the road, because as we go through the this mournable body, it just gets bleaker and bleaker because obviously the the situation in the country gets bleaker and bleaker. Yes. Um, one of the critical issues I was investigating in this mournable body was the individual's responsibility. And one can see that throughout the book, from the beginning right up until the very end, Tambudzai is very loath to take responsibility for things. She sees the world and her existence as things being done to her. So I don't think that Tambudzai, right up until the very end, would have been the kind of person who would stand by a roadside. I think that Tambudzai post-end of this mournable body might go out. But that really was the character development that I was talking about. Right at the end of the book, she makes a stand where she pays a price because she believes that that is right. And I was wanting to put across that idea that there are circumstances which require individuals to make stands even though the material results of taking that stand may not be positive. Um, of course, she has no knowledge of that at that particular time. She's driven to it in, in so many ways, is she not? 
She is driven to taking a stand, but I think there is always a choice. Even at that moment, at the end of the book, which is the climax of the whole story, she could have made a different decision. And all through her life, she has made those decisions that are self-serving as far as she can see. And so this is one of the first times in her life where she makes a decision that is based on an inner integrity and a connection to other people rather than her own personal good. And for me, that, that was a very significant issue that I wanted to engage with. What do you think made your novel, This Mournable Body, stand out so much in, in the crowd or the, the um, I think it is four or five people who are doing the judging this year? What do you think made them uh, stand out? Because traditionally it's quite difficult for South Africans and for, uh, by extension, Zimbabweans or Kenyans to get their books accepted by an international audience. What do you think made yours stand out so, so profoundly? Yes, Jeannie, it is difficult for us from this part of the world to have our stories accepted by a a more global audience. And um, really, this reflects the conditions of our life. You know, we don't have many of those things that are seen as interesting, like science or this kind of thing. Um, And so I think for me, what worked in this story, which is essentially the story of any average young woman from this part of the world or woman who is going into middle age from this part of the world, trying to make a living in uh, conditions that are very challenging. Um, I think what made that stand out is the second person narrative that I took. I was aware that I wanted to tell a very difficult and bleak story, as you so rightly say, but I was also aware that it had to be told in a way that was engaging and captivating Mm. and opened up vistas to the mind of the reader Mm. rather than just putting the reader off with its somberness. And it was this awareness that led me to experiment with the narrative voice until I hit upon the second person, which adds something that I'm not really a student of literature, so I can't say exactly what it adds, but it felt right to me in terms of giving enough distance while still carrying the story of this bleakness. And I think um, I was very fortunate to have hit upon that solution to that particular problem. Saturdays with Jenny. The descriptions of this mournable body, there's a line that actually caught my eye and it's right at the end um, of of a sentence. Uh, a sentence. And it, it just makes the point about the toxic combination of colonialism and capitalism. In other words, something that is far from the roots of ordinary Zimbabweans. They've had somehow or other to manage both of those systems, uh, for better or for worse. And in Zimbabweans' case, it is for worse. Yes, um, I think Zimbabwe has not really been exemplary in dealing with uh, colonialism and capitalism, as we can see from the situation that the country is in. And I do think that those tensions that arise from there uh, part of what makes Zimbabwean um, 
literature so energetic and so compelling mm. because we, we are dealing with issues that really affect our livelihood and not only the livelihood of the authors but the huge swathes of society and we are invested in it because it is our society. One of the other women writers who is writing in that same vein is Novio uh, Chuma, uh, who wrote House of Stone. Uh, she's also writing in that very same vein that you mentioned. Um, it is unfortunate that uh, we have this material and uh, we cannot occupy ourselves with other aspects of life, um, really, which are not so constrained by this historical tragedy that we are living within. But uh, that is our situation. And I feel that by engaging with it in literature, we do offer the possibility of opening up other ways of perceiving the challenges that face us, which might be useful. Traditionally, and, and for the few uh, numbers of South Africans who've managed to make the shortlist, so first of all, my, my huge congratulations to you. Um, it, it, this is almost a life-changing event, whether you win or whether you don't. Uh, pity about the, you know, the formal dinner, because I think people have loads of fun at it, uh, although it's very, very tense. But, uh, you know, if you've taken part. But normally what happens with, um, with somebody on the shortlist is that your sales go up remarkably and people recognize you in, you know, for, for all sorts of things, uh, literature festivals and, and that sort of thing. Have you begun to experience the wave of interest? Well, I have heard that uh, reprints <laughs> are being printed, and so that's really good news. I haven't really seen the change reflect in my royalties. I hope it's still early days because definitely um, I do need a life-changing breakthrough in my career as an artist, and I hope it's now. Um, I'm, I always like to tell myself that I'm in the last third of my life. <laughs> so I really do need it to happen now. So I hope your words will be prophetic. Well, listen, I hope they are. But I mean, traditionally, the fact that you're going into, uh, you know, a second imprint, uh, at least a second uh, printing is absolutely fantastic. And it is an indication. I mean, I always, before I entered the world of books, which has made me very, very happy, um, I, I used to follow the book of thing very closely and really Religiously read the books on the shortlist, and that was when I I had to pay for every single copy. And I think that there are many, many people around the world because it is it's got the reputation, the Booker Prize, one of being controversial, but two being a celebration of uh, of literature in the English language. So it is, um, you know, it is no small feat to get onto that shortlist. What did you do when you heard? Well, I was delighted. It, it, it did come in the middle of my court case, so my delight was tempered with disappointment and sadness at what I'm experiencing personally in Zimbabwe and the general situation that led to my experiencing that. But on the other hand, it's absolutely wonderful. It, it, it gave me hope that uh, there is life beyond these circumstances that we find ourselves facing in Zimbabwe. And also the idea that storytelling does have a function. You know, as a Zimbabwean, it's it, it's not easy to remain um, 
to remain very positive and feeling proactive given the situation in the country. I personally do suffer from a sense of hopelessness and helplessness, the idea that, you know, I've given my best as a human being and what has that done? Mm-hmm. Um, if Zimbabweans, if we were giving our best, how come it has come to this? You know, and, and that can be quite demoralizing. But then to hear the resonance that comes from the world, from Zimbabweans, other African people and the rest of the world for something that I did under those circumstances is very uplifting and inspiring. And it does give me the energy to continue. So so when the the announcement actually is finally made, which is in November, I mean, it's quite a uh, quite a time. I suppose the judges are frantically rereading now. So so that, that's what they're they're busying themselves with. November the 17th seems a long way away. And uh, and the whole thing is going to be done virtually, isn't it? I mean, there's no question of them flying you over to to London or anything like that. Or are they going to do that anyway? I do believe that uh, the whole thing will be done virtually this year, and that really suits me very well. Um, Travelling can be tiring, and uh, I'm really happy to be in Zimbabwe with all these things happening. You know, being away from home for me uh, is always an anxiety-ridden time because I don't know what's going on back home. And so I'm glad that it's going to be virtual this year. Um, Yes, I don't think that anybody... I think the dinner is going to take place, I'm not sure, but I don't know whether all the participants will be there or not. In any case, as things stand, I don't have my passport because of the court case. I had to relinquish my passport. And uh, I don't know whether the processes would have been over by November anyway. Well, who knows? I mean, at least your passport is there and it's still valid. You just never know. And uh, with the international attention on you and, of course, on this mournable body, maybe something something good is going to come out of this, something positive. But either way, I'm going to be watching you. And Sitsi, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for making the time for us here at Kai FM. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you so much. Saturdays with Jenny, 9 to 11 a.m. on Kaya FM. 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.